Thursday morning, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. And we have a couple of really wonderful guests in our studio this morning, Rabbi and Mrs. Klibanoff, who are very well known in the Livingston, New Jersey area, or by Klibanoff, the spiritual leader of Congregation Eitz Chaim in Livingston. And uh, they are uh, two of the most outspoken uh, cheerleaders of uh, JM and the AM and everything that we do in the world of radio. And recently we discovered that uh, Rabbi Klibanoff and his wife were part of a um, a group that we're a big fan of, and that's the JNF um, travel group to uh, Israel, a group of uh, rabbis that were invited to take part in a mission to discover more and more of what is going on in the Holy Land under the uh, under the leadership of the Jewish National Fund. Rabbi and Mrs. Klibanoff, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good morning. Great to be back. Great to see you. It was wonderful to see you in Israel. Yes, that always. That was pretty amazing. And here we are back on this side of the world. Uh, how does this all begin? JNF, I assume would love to see both rabbinic and lay leadership visit as much as possible and go with them to see their special projects. And we've spent a lot of time on our network talking about the, the special projects that they're involved with there. Um, and, and then I guess that rabbis, with all these invitations on their desks, have to decide with whom they're going and why. What is the beginning of this whole process for this trip? So, Rabbi Zev Goldberg, a good friend, a, uh, a name you should... Remember, an up-and-coming rabbi is the rabbi of Young Israel, Fort Lee, New Jersey. Relatively new there, right? Yes, 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 the last couple of years. And he had this idea together with the JNF professional in Bergen County, Jocelyn Inglis. And he said, you know, they should make a rabbi's mission. JNF has never done a rabbi's mission. This was the very first. This is the inaugural mission. And if you're familiar with what they've done in the past, they have every type of mission you can imagine. Correct, correct. And they realized that, you know, we have to expose JNF more and more to the modern Orthodox community. So this was a mission for modern Orthodox rabbis, and it was just five of us. Rabbi Shalom Baum from Romer, from Ketzer Torah. Right. Rabbi Andrew Markowitz from Rabbi Yudenshul in Fairlawn. Right. Rabbi Jeremy Donath from Fairlawn as well. Uh, Rabbi Goldberg and myself. And, of course, my beloved wife, who was the first Rebetzin participant in the Rabbi's Conference. Uh, She'll go down in history, huh? Absolutely. But she added a whole new dimension to the group, which was really outstanding. Um, What do they try to accomplish? Meaning, I mean, obviously they want you to, you know, understand their cause and see, um, you know, and and see firsthand uh, what it is that they're accomplishing. Um, but you know they have it's a limited number of days, right? There's a, there's only a certain number of days you're going to be there. How do they focus the trip? How do they focus the you know the different things they want you to see, and how do they do it? So to be honest, that for many of the rabbis, as much as we knew about JNF, we didn't know about JNF, and there was this running theme of oh wow, it's more than just trees and water, right? And they carefully they planned it for over a year, and they carefully executed four days showing us only some of which are very many as we learn of their special projects but basically making us fall in love with Israel all over again like we do every single time and now serving as ambassadors for JNF and going back to our communities and telling people you know you have to see this you gotta see this you're gonna love this and that's exactly what they accomplished and what were some of those things what are some of the noteworthy um, 
so my sites that you my, saw. I, I think Sarah and I, for our favorite thing was going down south to Chalutza. Mm. And Rabbi Baum told me this actually. He said that he, he went around the Kehillah and said, anybody ever heard of Chalutza? <laughs> and very few people did. So Chalutza is basically the southwesternmost part of Israel where you're on the border of the Gaza Strip on one side and below you is Egypt. And it's basically a lot of sand. A lot of sand. And there are three communities that are being built there by the JNF. And people are moving there, and they're, you know, Ben-Gurion stream to settle the south, and people are doing it. And we got to see real modern-day pioneers who are going down literally into the middle of nowhere. And then you hear noises outside, and like, well, what's, what's that bang? And they're like, ah, it's nothing. It's just ISIS. Just ISIS. Just ISIS fighting with Egypt on the border. No problem. And like, where's that? Well, you see, if you look right about 50 meters away, that's the border to Egypt. So they provided exciting sound effects, huh? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, also warming, because it was very warm down yeah, there. Yeah, I can imagine. And, but see, we met this family that they've been waiting five years to build their home down there. And the happiest, most beautiful family and kids running around. And they know, like, they have this park they built. They can't go until after 4 p.m. because it's too hot. Mm-hmm. But they're building a medical center down there, a community center, and you're looking and saying, wow, this is really absolutely amazing. And the interesting story, and I actually heard this from Russell Robinson as well when we, when we met with him. CEO of JNF. Yes, and he said that, uh, I think it was during the Prime Minister Ehud Barak's time when they were trying to make a deal with Arafat, and they offered this land as part of contiguous with Gaza, and he refused. He thought it was a trick. And he said, nothing can grow there. It's a place of death. And now you see greenhouses and greenhouses. There's an esrog farm that's right outside of Chalutza that they grow the most beautiful esrogum. They grow these miniature pineapples, which are very popular in Europe because apparently in the grocery stores in Europe, they can't have large fruits. So they have these small pineapples, which are very, very popular. It's one of the major exports from Chalutza. Interesting. And all these things that we learned. And, and when they got there, it was 24 feet of sand. There's a, there's a community there called B'nai Nitzarim, which is the remnants of Nitzarim, which was in Gush Katif. And then they decided after a couple of years, you know, we can't live like this, we have to build. And they built and they rebuilt and they built this beautiful, beautiful community. They have a yeshiva there. We heard from the Rosh Yeshiva of the Mechina, uh, Rabbi Adler, and he gave us a shir. It was just absolutely inspiring. And to see, you know, we're so used to the Katamon and mm. Jerusalem Rechavia, and there's a whole part of the country, which we learned, that is wide open and uh, people need to go there. And, and the truth is that's duplicated in many other places. There are many, many parts of the country that absolutely, are absolutely. unknown to us and that uh, we just Discover each time we go. Rabbi and Mrs. Klibanoff in studio here. Mrs. Klibanoff, anything you want to add to this uh, to this conversation about... Yeah, sure, that's on. Um, I just uh, want to repeat what my husband said about Chalutza, that I, I couldn't believe how beautiful and positive... Um, it was to be to be to be going to this area, meaning so much of what we hear about Israel is so challenging and so stressful and so um, I, I don't, it was highlighted in this incredibly beautiful way. And when my husband mentioned Rabbi Adler, the year before the disengagement, he told us that he was giving a shear in his yeshiva, which apparently was a very high level yeshiva. And a terrorist came in and killed five of his students in front of him. And a year later, they were taken away from their homes. You know, they were taken out of um, Gaza. And they watched their shul and their school and their homes be bulldozed. And they moved into this hotel. And he was like, we were 20 families and we're sitting there. And he said, I was just depressed. And I didn't know 
you know, how to continue what to do. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have anything. And he said, enough already. And we had a pickup, and he moved with these 20 families to this area of Chalutza. And from there, they built, he said, it's one of the highest level yeshivas now. There are boys from everywhere that come down to learn there. And just to see the regrowth and the, um, the way they're excelling, they're not just living, they're thriving. It was so powerful to me because I feel like sometimes you go through life and you just think like, okay, you know, I go to my job in the city and I do this and I do that. And these people are making a tremendous difference. And I feel like here in America, we have the ability to really support and help the modern day chalutzim. I mean, these are areas of Israel, like you mentioned, that are completely wide open Mm -hmm. and they're... They're moving there and they're settling the land. They're not asking me to move there and settle the land or my kids and be an hour from the nearest, you know, medical center and drive back and forth to Beersheba and blah, blah, blah. They're living the dream. It's, it's, uh, it's very, very um, uplifting. We came back totally recharged from this trip. Rabbi and Mrs. Klibanoff here, Congregation Aids Chaim in Livingston, talking about the JNF rabbinic trip that just took place recently. We, uh, we, we, um, rendezvoused with the Klibanovs in Israel during our July uh, journey there. Um, is there before I go to the bigger issue, um, which uh, will give me an opportunity to put you on the spot? Uh, is there any other aspect of the trip you'd like to mention? Any other parts that were so spectacular and 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 likely? Unknown or unexplored by the majority of this audience. Well, how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> well, you could do one or two. I uh, one that I would highlight is something called special and uniform. Mm, we've spoken so about this. This so this they, is insane. There's, we we go to this Air Force base, and in typical Israeli fashion, you know, they tell you a day, an hour before. Well, we're not sure we can get on the base. You can always get on the base. That's, that's, <laughs> People it, should know that. Huh? Yeah, right, right. I mean, I wouldn't suggest just walking up to the base. We right. went to an Air Force base, and we meet this fellow named Tiran. Tiran is about 6'4", muscular, movie star, good looks. And he tells us his whole story of how he, when he was injured, and based on that and through friends, etc., he started this unit called Special Uniform, where they take special needs young men and women who very much want to belong and feel that they're serving their country. And they developed a special unit for these young men and women. And he showed us the unit and the work that they do. And he's, you know, this big tough guy who you would think, you know, nobody would mess with him. And he's he's fixing the collar of one of the boys. And he's saying, like, come here, Motek, and tell us what you do. And it was the most in- unbelievable thing. Because what other nation would say that we want to include every single member of our community, regardless of their abilities or disabilities, and we want you to feel like you're serving, and they really are, and they wear a uniform, and there's this new unit that's been incorporated with them, uh, which deals with autistic. Oh, wow. And they actually are in the intelligence units because they have the ability to sit in front of computer screens for hours and hours a day and look at security footage, and they can detect these things. Unbelievable. And we walked away and said, wow, wow, you know, we love the Israeli army, we love Tzahal, we love it that much more. And we know, and a lot of people may not be uh, familiar with this, especially the younger people here who haven't been to Israel, but uh, it's a rite of passage going to the army and taken very seriously by all the men and women in the, in, in those types of communities in Israel. And uh, they feel isolated enough as it is throughout their young lives. Here's an opportunity for them to really be incorporated into what is the most prestigious part of Israeli life. 
and it's amazing how they do it. And uh, JNF has partnered with the program to you know give it as much support as possible, which is pretty amazing. And I think it's either been duplicated or it has been at least observed by other countries who can't believe <laughs> that this actually happens. As as many of their programs have been right. duplicated, you know, especially when it comes to the water, as you know, right. spoken many times on the yeah. air about that. So. It's 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 truly inspiring. All right, so now the bigger issue for me is uh, is uh, why do you, why is it at least this is the impression you could tell me I'm wrong. Uh, I mean, rabbis travel to Israel all the time, but it seems that there's sometimes a uh, a lack of a message when they return from Israel to their congregation. Why is there not more of a of an effort among our American rabbinate to connect people themselves, not just the rabbis, but themselves to the state of Israel? Uh, first of all. Not every rabbi gets to go so much. I mean, the the rabbis on our trip, some of them have been on the uh, younger side. I guess maybe when you get more experienced in your in your pulpit and you have right. more freedom to, to more go travel. back and forth. So that that's a. Uh, B. I can't speak for what other rabbis tell their congregations. I don't sit in their shuls. I mean, I work on Saturdays, so <laughs> I. I uh, but if you would ask our congregation, they might say, "Okay, enough, Rabbi. We get it. I know. When are you going to Israel this week? Like, Rabbi, why are you here this week?" Kind of thing. But, but you um, use the opportunity to encourage them to go as absolutely, well. Absolutely, absolutely. At at ad nauseum, I would say. I say to people, I don't care. Just just commit. Just go. I don't care if you go just to go eat in restaurants. I said, but just go to Israel. You have to go and say to the people there, we're here from America. We're going to Israel. We love you. We support you. Regardless, nothing to do with religion, nothing to do with politics. Just that we have the ability that you can book a ticket and end up in Israel without even speaking to a person. Right. You, book it on, you can book it on your phone and just go. And if groups from your synagogue decide to actually move there, you have no problem with that? I have no problem. We, ha- we had an interesting conversation with Rabbi Fass of Nefesh Benefesh. Who is also who partners a with partner JNF, JNF. Right. correct, 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 and and he challenged. He, he was he was. I'm sure he was relatively outspoken on this issue. <laughs> yes, and he <laughs> kind of beat us up a little bit, and uh, and I said, I, w- one point that I said is, uh, well, if someone in my shul makes aliyah, make a party, I would love it. It's fantastic, which is sort of mixed emotions because you know we're losing some of our base, but we're not losing. We're just sort of moving to to, to a better place, kind of thing. Right. And I said, but for rabbis, aliyah is largely. Impossible, because they need rabbis in Israel like they need rocks, and it's, yeah, not, I understand it's that. not open for us. So it, maybe it's harder. So he asked us, "Is is it on your agenda to promote Aliyah?" Right. I think that's more of his focus. And so that was he's he, more worried about your congregants than you. Correct. 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 But but if we're the gateway, and we don't have that feeling, I, that, that was one of the mm. expressions felt. Um, but he 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 hit us pretty hard about you know how hard are we pushing for Aliyah. And he said, look, if it's not on your agenda, it's not on your agenda, but let's just be honest about it. And um, I think that we have really, certainly in northern New Jersey, which is a great Aliyah feeder. It's an Aliyah hub. Yeah, absolutely. And and maybe, maybe they've hit a wall of sorts. About as many right now that are going are going, okay. and then we'll see what happens going further. But I, I don't know that so many people are making aliyah because the rabbis are telling them to. It certainly would encourage them if they're thinking about it, and the rabbis say, you know, I think it's a great idea. But I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't know anybody that's saying, well, my rabbi said make aliyah. I mean, if that was the case, then everything we say they'd follow, right? <laughs> Arguably, <laughs> one would think <laughs> possibly. Uh, rabbi and Mrs. Klibanoff are here, Congregation Eitz Chaim in uh, Livingston, New Jersey, and they were just part of this rabbinic journey to Israel with the Jewish National Fund. And um, uh, I mean, what what is there to say? I, I have been privileged to um, describe to this audience the work that's being done there. You mentioned a couple of projects this morning. It goes so far and so way beyond anything that we could possibly get to in one conversation. 
um, which is, they're doing great work, and it's north, south, and everywhere else in Israel. And anyone who goes to visit Israel should know that every Wednesday the JNF runs a tour. And if you get the JNF newsletter, there's a 10% coupon. How do you like that? See that? And usually just contact the JNF and say, you know, we're interested and we want to go. It's something out of the ordinary if you're going to be there for, for Sukkot. If you're going to be there at any time, contact their offices in Jerusalem and they'd be happy to set it up for you and take you to these places that you've never dreamed of a one-day tour. And that's, that's where it starts. People can learn and they'll see for themselves. It, the, the work speaks for itself. I have to say that I've done a number of rabbinic missions. And the one thing that I found, two things actually, that were most inspiring and successful. Number one is that every single day of the four days, there was a different person leading the mission. Mm. Interesting. And the partnerships that they have, each partnership is willing and able and very much capable of talking about the other partnership. So if, let's say, we're, we're going to special uniform and somebody says, you know, I'm really interested in pioneering or water, they say, well, you know what, you should really look at our other partnership because they do a fantastic job with that. So we had the passion and the excitement each of every day of a leader that gave us over everything that we were seeing. The second thing is that we learned that so many of these partnerships and these projects started because of the dream of one person. Mm. Mm -hmm. And one person saw a need, and one person saw a void, and one person said, we're going to do something about it, and look, what we have now, we have this partnership with the JNF, this massive uh, benevolent association, whatever you want to call it, but this ability to make something happen from one person's need. So nobody should ever think that, oh, I'm just one person, what can I do? One person can accomplish so much. Yeah, and as I think about some of the things we've already discussed this morning, I think most of those were <laughs> were undertaken by one person who had a, a vision, a dream, a, a social entrepreneurial uh, uh, agenda that uh, they were able to fulfill, which is pretty amazing. Um, I greatly appreciate you coming in. The uh, the um, the possibility of increasing this audience's awareness of what's going on in Israel uh, always excites me, and uh, a tip of the hat to JNF because, they, as you said, they are. It's not just that they're in so many other, so many different places in Israel doing so many incredible things, but in, in addition to that, they know who to partner with. They know what they are good at and what they're not good at, and if there's something that they, uh, you know, that they see is being done at a level that they would never be able to approach, they go ahead and support the program as best as they can. So a tip of the hat to them. Well, they have a partnership with this network, so they're obviously very smart. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Rabbi and Mrs. Klibanoff, Livingston, New Jersey. Send our best to everybody in Livingston, please. I will, I will. And we have to wish a special mazel tov this morning. I got a call at 5 o'clock this morning. Yeah. Baby boy born to Eliza and Jeremy Shaw. There you go. And grandparents, Simon Ben Shaw and new president of our shul, uh, Minnie and Alan Shaw. So uh, welcome to the world. Amazing. I'll tell you. You come here and you're just filled with great news. And thank God we're able to share with everybody. Uh, thank you both for being here this morning. It's much thank appreciated. You. Thank you. Thank you for everything you do for Kuala Yisrael. I appreciate that. 20 minutes after 8 o'clock. More coming up. It is a Thursday morning broadcast, and you're listening to JM in the AM. It's 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org, and, of course, on the NSN app.